Money FM 89.3, best of weekends. Let's talk about the future of finance and what that means for, for transformation that's happening globally within the financial services sector. Let's talk now to Robin Nyack, Chief Strategy Officer, TBWA, the Disruption Company, and Belinda Sim, the Strategy Director and Head of Culture at TBWA, about this Future of Finance 2021 report. Happy to have both of you on. Very well, thank you. Great to be here. Thanks for having us on. Yeah, how are you doing, Belinda? Yeah, good. Oh, good. I'm good. I'm good. Awesome. Happy to be here. Robin, why don't we start with you? Give us give us the highlights. Give us an overview of this Future of Finance 2021 report. Why did you do it and what what is its top line? Yeah, absolutely. So I think there's a couple of key sort of moving parts in this sort of conversation. The first is around finance. And um, it's interesting listening to your guests just now on AWS talking about some of the financial brands that they work with. But I guess one of the challenges we identify is that finance is complicated, um, it's intangible, uh, it's very hard for people to imagine what a, what a mortgage or what a unit trust looks like. And so we tend to find a lot of the marketing and presentation of financial services is um, very familiar, very conventional. Um, and I mean, I've been in Singapore 30 odd years now, and I think some of the work I see coming out to market today resembles the work I saw in 1991 when I first arrived, and that's, um, that's an issue. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the second point is around culture, and culture is constantly changing and evolving, and I think so many brands think about the consumer, um, but the consumer is kind of a moment in time when you're actually in the process of buying, uh, and culture is something that impacts us all the time. So what we wanted to do is kind of understand all of the things that impact people as human beings and start to look at how that impacts the way they are engaging, building, and making the most of the financial opportunities that, uh, that are actually available to them these days. Uh, Rob, uh, Robin, just to follow up before we jump to Belinda, when you say culture and, and culture's impact on money, what do you mean by that? Do you yeah. have any specific examples? Yeah, so um, I think, you know, if you look at uh, the way people traverse through life, um, marketers typically look at them through the lens of when they're buying, right? So they look at them as a consumer of a car, of a, of a phone, of a what have you. And everything comes down to that sort of process of getting people to understand your brand, um, try it out, maybe come and buy it or tell other people about it. But culture is the stuff that's always around us. It's kind of the universe of, of experiences that we face. So that includes the news, includes um, shows like yours that are impacting the way people are thinking about things. That impacts music, it's politics, it's sport. It's, it's all the different factors that are compete for the attention of people and are shaping the way people see the world. And consequent to that, we, we see some major movements happening. You know, we see people moving towards a more sustainable environmental viewpoint. We see people moving towards more healthy eating viewpoints. And as financial consumers, you'd go, well, that has nothing to do with us. But actually, it completely does, because the way people are conditioning their way of thinking impacts all of their choices. And those are things that are often missing um, in the marketing agenda, we find. We're talking with Robin Nyack and Belinda Sim, both of TBWA, the disruption company, about their new Future of Finance 2021 report. And Belinda, if I can just uh, switch over to you, it talks about virtual advancements and and transforming financial habits. Uh, Give us a a little bit more background on on what that looks like in relation to your your report. I think 
money is becoming you know increasingly intangible right you know we've seen like digital currencies you know crypto virtual assets nfts and all that stuff you name it mm. right and i think um one of the things that you know uh, we talked about in the report was apart from financial wellness improvements in financial literacy and all that stuff what we also seeing now is a lot of all these new innovations that are kind of posing a threat to the kind of progress and harming our relationship with money as well hmm. right you know if you think about it right there are studies where you know people spend you know the more they spend uh, with a mobile wallet or credit card compared to what they pay with cash right the reason being is that you know there's no visual reminder of money right and when you swipe a card you know you don't really feel the same kind of pain as when you hand over physical cash so you know when you take the same logic and you think about this new world where digital currencies are taking over right biometric payments making it possible for you to pay for something with a quick swipe of your palm or where people are spending like big money on like virtual um, assets and all that you can kind of see how that's becoming easier to really overspend or lose track of you know the kind of um currency these are digital goods that you have, right? Of course, you know, every company wants to be at the forefront of innovation, right? But I think the real disruptive opportunity here is really for finance companies to create tools to help people manage their money responsibly, you know, in a time where it's becoming, you know, more difficult to do so. One of the things that jumped out for me, guys, was uh, one of your key findings was money is becoming less tied to gender and life stage. So uh, I don't know who can answer that. Uh, Maybe start with Robin. What does that mean first? And what are the implications for the uh, finance industry? Yeah, so I think in in a lot of categories, but in finance particular, um, there have been roles that have been set for for generations. You know, we talk about the breadwinner, the patriarch of the family. Um, Right across the world, um, these things have been locked in. But what we're finding, um, it's partly to do with sort of a, a generational change and, and the cultural, um, I guess, inputs to, to the millennials and the Gen Zs coming through, is that attitudes to traditional roles have, 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 have changed. Mm. And we also see more and more women um, in the workplace, more and more women in senior roles in the workplace. And so those simple attributions of a man does this and a woman's role is that just uh, are being completely kind of um, reconstructed. Um, and... It's imperative, we find, for financial brands to, to recognize that and start to serve um, you know, the real world. I mean, about I don't know, 20 years ago, one of the credit card companies in Singapore built a credit card um, called the Ladies Card. Right? And it was very much centered around this is the card for women. Um, and it seemed like a really good idea at the time. But nowadays, women don't want separate products. They want to be kind of siloed, um, <laughs> sort of mm. put aside with something. What they want are brands that actually serve women the products and solutions they need. Um, and the same thing applies to people of different ages. Young people want things that are relevant to them and the way they see the world. Um, and indeed, older consumers, of which there's a lot of the silver generation, were completely overlooked at the moment by, by companies across the board. Um, and especially in finance. I mean, everyone thinks that once you hit 50, <laughs> um, I must be planning my retirement because I'm over the hill. Um, but actually, more and more people are, um, are actually building second lives and second careers and, and looking to do so much more, not just stop and retreat to the golf course. Yeah, it's interesting. You know, uh, there were four, I guess, some themes or shifts that you had uh, highlighted in your report outside the lines, breaking the money taboo, rich redefined, bringing back reality. Uh, I'm curious about the rich redefined. And what does that actually mean? Belinda, is that something you can you can talk about? Uh, how, how is it being redefined and, and what, is, what implication is that having on the, uh, the finance industry? Okay, maybe before I go into the rich redefining, right? Just mm. picking up the conversation on gender and all that. Oh, right? sure. Yeah. Um, what's 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 interesting as well, right? You know, we we were um, another one of the themes that we picked up was how you know there's this new openness around money, 
right? You know, the money talk is moving outside the bank and we see this whole rise of, you know, the new generation of influences of what we call them, right? You know, it's um, financial advice is happening on unexpected platforms like your Instagram, your YouTube and TikToks. And you actually see a lot of women actually leading the conversation over there, right? And I think all of us could be quite familiar with Hayley Sachs as well, who goes by Mrs. Dow Jones, right? So she offers, you know, money tips that's wrapped up in memes and pop culture references, right? highly relatable, very topical content. You know, she does partnerships with other um, financial companies as well. And she also champions fellow finance creators. And even like down under, we see many examples as well, right? Like she's on the money or my millennium money. And all these things are like podcasts that, you know, young Australians love, you know, to educate and improve their financial education. So I think being on social media, actually, right, for some strange reason, you know, we tend to see a lot more women right, hmm. championing about finance in there. Hmm. Interesting. And and when you look at, at uh, as I mentioned, these uh, these four shifts that you're seeing, the rich redefined, what, what mm-hmm. is that? What does that mean? Of course, uh, you know, you, it's a very uh, kind of uh, sexy, uh, you know, sexy topic, right? Especially in Singapore. <laughs> People want to know about wealth and what's going on. But how, how is this segment being redefined, the, the, the wealth segment? So, um, yeah, I mean, again, one of, the, one of the things I think COVID has triggered is a fundamental reassessment by a lot of people about exactly what their own human personal purposes are. Hmm. And so, whereas, you know, for years and years, you know, we, were, we followed the Singapore, I and mean, I think I heard you guys talk about it in a previous show, you know, the five C's and everything sure. is defined by, you know, your, your club and your car and your so forth. Yeah. Um, there's, a, there's a kind of a reset of, of exactly what it takes to be successful, what, what wealth actually means. And that refers to things like quality time, actually leaving um, the world in a better place. Um, and what we're seeing in other markets, maybe less so in Singapore, is that um, you know, people are prepared to live with a little bit less, but live, um, I guess, more fulfilled, mm. right? And then we see it again, I guess, um, you, you were talking about the Hawker um, scene earlier, and we see people that are stepping out of corporate banking jobs and high-flying roles and kind of getting into, the, um, into cooking and into creating, um, because there's more, uh, I guess, feedback. Now, I guess it's nice to have a threshold level of, of wealth to be able to do yeah, that. Sure. Um, but it isn't that endless charge and chase for ever more. And I think that's one of the kind of the kind of core drivers of, of what we mean by rich redefined. And then there's a number of, I guess, facets of that, which will appeal to different audiences um, in different ways. And I'll just let Bell um, build on that. Yeah, so I think one of the biggest... Um examples that we do see, right, is a, is a shift in legacy planning as well. So, you know, typical legacy planning, right, it's for your family, right? Mm-hmm. It's something the wealth that you hand on to your own children and all that. But what we're starting to see is this trend around wealth passed on to the wider society, right? I was reading this article once, right? This interesting Singaporean couple who decided to leave 200 grand in their will to start an endowment fund to support charitable causes, hmm. right? And their vision was really to encourage legacy giving after death. Right. And I think that's that's amazing, right? And this couple is apparently not the only ones who are doing that as well, right? We actually see a lot more examples as well, right? And uh, even the Community Foundation of Singapore said that the charity has actually seen way more interest in legacy giving in the past few years, you know, by people from different demographic groups, you know, including singles and married couples without children as well. Yeah, it's very interesting and something I completely agree with. That's one of the benefits in inverted commas of COVID. There has been a priority shift, hasn't mm. there, I think, in for many people. people's money yeah. direction, career direction, legacy yeah. direction, and so on. Mm. And on that point, maybe Robin first and then Belinda, we've talked a lot about gender divide today, and also generational divide has been a common theme today, and I've seen it coming up in your report as well. Millennials and money. 
How do millennials view their money, careers, financial prospects? I'm sure there's a real generational divide there, Robin. Yeah, I mean, I think the biggest difference with the millennial generations, and that includes anyone that's sort of born sort of 2000, sort of like 90s onwards, is that um, with the advent of social channels and social media, and Bell just talked about TikTok and Instagram and so forth, um, there's much more openness and there's much more sharing. So I think the sense of, of everything being about me, I mean, I'm a Gen Xer, right? And the Gen X generation was famous for kind of being a little bit self sort of obsessed because we always felt that we were not sort of obsessed upon by, by, <laughs> by generations before. But, um, but the millennials are, are, are different. They, they, they come from a sort of different starting point. They, they're very much more kind of connected. They, they, they're much more open in kind of sharing feelings. It sounds a little Yoda-like. Mm. Um, but I think as a consequence, there's an openness. And, and one of the other points we talked about in the report was the money taboo. And I think there's an overlap because, you know, a generation before, which was very secretive and very furtive about money, now we have a generation that's constantly talking and sharing and discussing. And it's not necessarily as competitive one against the other than it was before. And I think that's one of the big shifts. And the consequence of that and thinking about the wider implication um, of their role in life and consequently their money in life, you see money being used for more sustainable ends, people being much more selective in the kind of companies that they buy from. And that includes the kind of companies they would bank or insure with. Um, and so I think those are some of the kind of characteristics that we that we know. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Belinda, any uh, final comments from you on that? And I think they have a very different perspective on capital as well, right? You know, they feel that they probably have more opportunity, you know, to tackle societal issues through investing, right? I think what's most interesting for me is how we're seeing, you know, platforms, you know, um, taking steps to reduce overt displays of wealth on social media. Like, you know, China's um, version of TikTok, which is called Douyin, right? Mm -hmm. It's actually banning users from bragging about their wealth, you know, as they promote unhealthy values and, you know, showing off a social status, making fun of the poor, etc., amongst content that are banned. So I think this wealth banning thing is a huge thing. Yeah, yeah if, if I could add, I, mean, I think that's a really important. Sure. I think that's a really important lesson for marketers, I guess, in Singapore and around around the region. That for years, this sense of wearing wealth, um, and we see it, you know, with the with the limousine and the private jet and all of the kind of symbolism that comes with it. Um, and if attitudes are fundamentally changing, and, and and wealth is seen as something which is more of a responsibility than just a, a, a number, then I think it requires, you know, a, a different way of engaging with people because otherwise you end up with a hundred million dollars of marketing spend um and financial services all just banging on the wrong message and mm. and it creates an alienation which i guess leaves the door open for the for the fintechs and the new digital operators to come in and it would be crazy if um if all the legacy players left the door so wide open <laughs> for their competitors to come and eat their lunch Indeed. Point. Robin Nyag, <laughs> Chief Strategy Officer and Belinda Sim, Strategy Director and Head of Culture at TBWA, the Disruption Company. Thanks to you both for being with us on Money FM Weekend Mornings. Oh, Fantastic. Thank you. thank you for having us on. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app. That's A W E D I O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.